This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 80, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today, John and I are catching up on his recent Kentucky hunt, and we're laying out our hopes, dreams, aspirations, our 2018 goals. So stay tuned. All right, what is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope everyone is doing good out there. If you were out in the timber, if you've had an opportunity to get out in the timber, I hope you found success. If not yet, I hope it won't be too long until you get a chance to uh, climb back into a tree stand. Uh, Cool show today. John and I are actually catching up. It's the first time of the season that we're actually going to have real hunting to talk about because John just recently got back from his early season uh, Kentucky hunt in pursuit of a velvet buck. So we definitely want to catch up with him on that. We'll cover a few other things uh, with me. My season's getting ready to start uh, getting cranking here with the uh, earlier part of the, or the Eastern part of the state having an earlier opening here in in, in PA. So we'll talk about that a little bit and just kind of lay out the groundwork for what our hopes, dreams, and aspirations are for the 2018 season. This uh, time of year is always full of hope. We probably, you know, hopefully some of us have some interesting beasts on camera that we definitely want to get after and maybe some of us uh, you know just know of good areas that we are planning to to dive into or or maybe there's new areas we're planning to dive into that uh are just kind of full of uh, uh adventure and uh and, and new surprises hopefully uh but before we jump into all that definitely want to take a second to talk about our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible first and foremost we are brought to you by wicked tree gear the long, longest lastest longest lasting jeez words today they're t- they're challenging longest lastest fastest cutting toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used simply put the toughest saws on earth how tough are they tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty and right now when you visit wickedtreegear.com use the promo code truth at checkout and you will save yourself 20% on your purchase 
We're also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have a new camera. The newest camera, the newest addition to the family is the Trek, and it comes in at $145 price point. It has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, same five-year warranty, and unmatched customer service policies. 0.7-second trigger speed, photo, video, time-lapse, and hybrid modes. This all comes with a simple, single-line backlit LED display. You also get about 20,000 images on one set of lithium batteries. If you'd like to learn more about Exodus trail cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you like what you see, head over to exodusoutdoorgear.com, promo code TRUTH will save you 20 bucks on a new trail camera. We're also brought to you by Tech and Money Seed. Everything is bigger and better in Texas. Actually, it's bigger and better in, uh, in, in, in Western or Central Pennsylvania as my food plot is killing it right now. I'm super stoked to to hunt over that uh, this fall and hopefully put the old man on a, on a deer using the uh, the draw of the Wicked Green. So no matter if you're in the South, Midwest, or Northeast, Tecamani has your food plot seed needs covered. Visit tecamani.com and check out their product selector tool and let them help you pick the right food plot seed for your needs. Use promo code TRUTH at checkout and save yourself 20%. And then, of course, when we're traveling this year or this fall for hunting season, you need a kick-ass cooler on a working man's budget to keep all your shit cold and then hopefully pack in a little venison or a little elk or whatever the case might be, whatever you're hunting. So with that, you're definitely going to want to check out Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, or fishing, you'll enjoy smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at GlacierCoolers.com, promo code TRUTH, save yourself 20%. And now let's start talking about deer hunting. All right, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today you're getting a full assault of the John and Clint show. It's been a little while since John and I have had a chance to to catch up. And we're going to kind of talk about our plans for the upcoming season, our hopes, dreams, and aspirations. But before we do all that, I am joined, as always, by my brother from another mother, John, the Kentucky Cannonball Mulligan. What's going on, man? what's happening dude how you been good man you like how every time we do this i give you a new nickname i know it's the it's the man with the kentucky waterfall yeah it's yeah. Uh, the cannonball yeah yeah the kentucky, i like it the kentucky cannonball see now that i was i was referencing back just a little bit to the um to the late great burt reynolds rest there you his, go rest his soul you know what i mean so i think cannonball run action exactly i figured you would like that little movie movie reference that i made right there since you are a uh, since you are Big, a movie buff yes love uh love the bandit man yeah for sure man so and that dude man it's kind of crazy man because if you think about it like he spanned such a long period of time during his movie career I, I was reading some stuff about him and he was like not to be all weird but he was like one of the very first like male like movie sex icons you know what i mean like he was like he was brad pitt before that? brad pitt you know what i mean that's right yeah yeah, exactly. Ryan Gosling didn't have shit on him. Hell no, dude. You imagine you imagine the play that dude got with his T-top oh, Trans Am. Here, check this out. Burt Reynolds, Tom Selleck, they go walking into a bar and just clean house. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they're leaving with all kinds of diseases. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's how- <laughs> Magnum PI and the Bandit. <laughs> Forget about it, dude. I saw they're trying to remake Magnum PI currently. Like with some like lame, goofy looking dude. Did you see that on TV? I was gonna say who's who's gonna be Tom. I mean, dude, no, you know, like not just anybody can rock the stash and the short shorts. Dude, 
the short shorts are that's something to behold and not not just that but like the the mound of chest hair not everyone can pull that off oh yeah yeah you know what i mean no that's uh that that would be that would be um movie casting i wouldn't want to be in charge in that you know that would um That'd be nerve-wracking because you could screw that up. No. Easy. I mean, there's some things that you just don't mess with, right? Like Magnum P.I. No. is one of them. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you can't mess with Tom Selleck. The other one Tom, to me yeah. is the A-team. Like you can't mess with the A-team. Like they were, Yeah, they were, see, and you know, and I had people that were like, oh, that new A-team movie, like it was really good. And I'm, I'm like, what? what? Yeah. No. I'm like, well, then you obviously never watched the original, yeah. you know? You can't, you can't mess with the A-team. And my other one is actually I have two other ones and this so the other one is mash can't mess with Mash. yep like that one no. was like i i think i've seen like every episode of mash growing up yeah and then the other yep. one was and this one's kind of lame but you can't mess with three's company and jack tripper oh interesting yeah you like that even though yeah, they had you a went kind of left field on that one i wouldn't have guessed that one at all yeah see uh but they, you know you're right yeah like you can't mess with that. Like that was that was a great sitcom in an era of a time where sitcoms were great, where there was a ton of great sitcoms. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, you know what I really like. Do you ever see it pop up on Facebook where it's the things you never knew about the show Married with Children or Three's Company or whatever? And it, it's funny to read some of those uh, odd factoids. Yeah. And like. Um, you know, Jack and, oh, shoot, what was the one gal? Chrissy. Chrissy. Cr- Christy, but I can't, I don't know, like, I'm trying to remember what the actress. Yeah, Sa- Sa- uh, Sally something, Sally S- Summers, something, last name Summers, right? Was it? Was that her? So, like, they hated each other. Like, really, really had, a, like, a true hate for, hatred for each other. Nice. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny. And then, like, certain things, you know, the weird things, like uh, the apartment numbers on the doors and, mm. you know, it's just fun, fun little things about the show. But I, I like whenever they do that, when they have those uh, weird factoids about the Andy Griffith show or, yeah, you know, something. It's yeah. cool. The, uh, it's interesting because I was sitting here thinking as I was talking about, as we were kind of going through my list of weird sitcoms and TV shows I watched mm-hmm. as a kid growing up. Well, maybe they're not weird, just like things you don't mess with that were, that were classics. Um, yeah. But I was just thinking, I was like, if you think, you know, there were great sitcoms during that era and the comedy during that time, like the stand-up comedy was just insane. Like that's like, well, late 70s, early 80s, you would have had Richard Pryor, if I'm not mistaken, before he set himself on fire yeah. and, and, you know, went, yeah. went completely downhill. Um, you also had George Carlin, you know, and then you also had um, Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, like all these guys. Eddie, Eddie Murphy Raw? Dude. Are you kidding me? That yeah. is one of the funniest. I was listening to that when I was a kid because my older cousin had it. I should have not been listening to it at that age. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. yeah. First time I heard it, I was like, I my parents would really be mad if I was. they knew I was listening to this. Yeah, but I was trying to figure out, I was like, why was the 80s such a great era for sitcoms? And cocaine comedy. and that was exactly what i came to <laughs> i was like <laughs> i was like cocaine is a hell of a drug <laughs> you know, I yeah like, i mean it was that was the age of cocaine and and uh there was so much going on i mean you know it, and that a lot can be said for a lot of the different you know decades but you know the 50s and the 60s you know transitional times mm-hmm. um 
you know, the whole flower power stuff from the 70s, and, mm-hmm. and that was obviously a big change. And then what brought on a lot of that change? Drugs. Yep. And then, you know, the 80s, there was, you know, you had people in the workforce and guys were going in with their shirts and ties and working in cubicles and climbing the corporate ladders and then snorting lines of coke in the bathroom on their lunch break. I mean, there was just crazy stuff that was going on, you know? Yeah. Um, and you could smoke music, in airplanes. Yeah, you could smoke cigarettes on airplanes. Yeah. I remember taking a family vacation when I was younger. Um, we used to always go on vacation uh, for Christmas every year. Mm-hmm. It's just something my parents did. You know, I think it was they wanted to go on vacation. It was a good excuse to not get me a lot of presents. But right. we went on vacation, and and I remember my dad be smoking his uh, his his Salem cigarettes <laughs> on the airplane, and I'm like, I didn't think anything odd at all. Right. And now it's like you can only smoke, you know, in your bathroom with a fan on under the covers with the lights out. Like that's yeah. the rule. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah. I, and look, I'm a non-smoker, so it's like I'm 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 down with it. I smoked for years when I was in a band, sure. you know, um and, and quit, you know, have I haven't smoked cigarettes in like twelve years, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know, I do appreciate, you know, places being smoke free, but it's just interesting how like we do these complete like about faces with things, you know what I mean? Like things that were cool before, accepted before, are completely unacceptable now, and how it makes that drastic change is just kind of interesting how the culture shifts that way. But sure, but yeah. So anyway, we uh, people now probably tuning in are thinking this is like a sitcom podcast or a movie slash sitcom <laughs> podcast. So these guys, these guys talk about hunting or they talk about comedy, right? Exactly. Well, do comedy is like well, hunting can be comedy, especially if you're in my shoes a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. same here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a pretty comical uh, in- endeavor on, in in many cases with the the amount of stuff I drop out of a tree stand or the amount of stuff that I forget or the amount of mistakes that I make. You know, whatever the case is, you know. Sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying, I guess is my kind of motto during hunting season. But uh, with that, I figured we would start to dive into a little bit of what we got going on for this season. And, you know, you know, I know you and I are both kind of goal goal oriented people. And so I know we kind of lay a plan, so to speak, and start to kind of, you know, put that plan into progress. And we do. You know, just like all the folks out there listening, it's like we spend the off season, you know, preparing, shooting our bows, scouting, trying to gain access to new properties, watching deer, watching cameras, glassing, you know, all for the, you know, the six weeks or whatever it is of the prime archery season. And then, you know, the, the second season for those of us that have a exclusive second, you know, second archery season for the hopes of, you know, getting something in the, uh, in the sights of our, of our bow. We put an insane amount of time in and you, most people go in with a, with a good laid plan and, it's kind of like the old Mike Tyson saying, like everyone has a plan to get punched in the face. And uh, that's right. My punch in the face usually happens like on the first set. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where, yeah, like yeah. everything I thought I knew, I did not know. Um, but today we will, we will, I guess, uh, we will roll forward as though we are not going to be punched in the face and kind of map out our plan for this year. But before we do that, you actually got a chance to get out and actually do some hunting. In Kentucky. I did. So I want to hear about that. I did. I know, I know we've texted back and forth a little bit and so forth, but I want to get the I want to get the deets on the Kentucky trip. So so go ahead and indulge us on what happened in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, I have to relive it all over again. I know, dude. Um, I hate I hate doing this to you. We, it's uh, but inquiring <laughs> so, minds want to know. 
That's right. That's right. Uh, no, and, and there is a couple of positives that came from this, and I'll I'll kind of you know uh, circle back at the end. Uh, September first, Kentucky. Um, I have a piece of property there in Kentucky that uh, I'm really, really good friends with the landowner, and he allows me to hang out and hunt with him um, while you know while I'm there. Um, I had full run of the property, so I started taking some cameras down there, and I was um, I was running my covert cameras, and I had some cell cams that I was running, which helped out tremendously. Being eight, almost eight, eight and a half hours away, um, I was able to check intel and. You know, little things like uh, camera batteries were almost dead, so I could call him and say, hey, do me a favor. I need you to run out there and replace cameras, and I need you to move the camera. And I draw him a little map and say, this is where I need the camera angled to. And But I did make two trips down there throughout the summer um, to hang some stands and set some blinds and, and and stuff like that. Now, of course, you know, a lot of that stuff, you're like, well, I hope this is going to be the right spot, and it turned out to not be the right spot. So... I went down there two days early, did some scouting, and um, was able to move some stuff around. Ended up setting a a whole new blind on Friday afternoon for my Saturday evening hunt. I go out Saturday evening, and I see my target buck. Um, Mainframe 10, full velvet, about 160 inches. Yeah, that doesn't suck. And he's at 71 yards. He then comes into 69 yards. And, yeah, I'm getting a little itchy trigger finger, you know what I mean? But all the other deer the entire evening had worked their way into 30 or 40 yards in this alfalfa field. So I'm like, you know what, let's just film him, we'll watch him, and, you know, we're good. So he starts working his way up towards this, and I think a lot of people have been in this situation. If you've got a buck in the field and uh there's some there's some fawns in the field you know the fawns are out there playing grab ass they're like chasing each other around and and acting all goofy right and this buck is just not liking it at all and he's watching them and he's just like what 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 are they doing what are they running for what are they you know and he's just like you know what i'm out of here and he just dives into the timber and i'm going dang it maybe i should have taken that 69 yard shot you know right um, so I'm like, well, I mean, that's what you come to hunt for. You come to hunt for the opportunity. And I had an opportunity. He was in the field. Right. So that's good. And it was the first day. So the next day right? I'm thinking. It, it was the first day, well, right? So you're kind of thinking like. This is, hey, yeah, this, this was the first sign. day of the season. Right. Yep. Good sign. Real good sign. But here's the scary part. On trail cameras, his consistency had been like once every three to four days. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, please tell me this isn't my one time, and I'm going to have to wait three or four days before I see him again. So the next day, um, I'm talking to a buddy of mine. Uh, he's one of my pro staff guys on my team, and and there's a, we're in an alfalfa field. And there's been so much rain in Kentucky this year that they, they've already got a couple of cuts in. So hmm. there's, uh, there's round bales everywhere. And I, and I make a comment to him. I'm like, you know, I would probably give at least one testicle if I had a hay bale blind right now. And he's like, <laughs> I got one at home. Nice. I'm like, you're lying. He goes, no, no, I, I got one at home like an hour away. I'm like, please, will you go get it? He's like, yeah, yeah. So he goes and gets it, brings it back. Well, by the time he got back, 
he's kind of a, a part-time farmer. So by the time he gets back, it's like four, four thirty in the afternoon. Now, granted it's, it's, uh, Eastern time. So the deer aren't coming out till, you know, seven, eight o'clock anyways. But right. I'm like, dude, we got to hurry, you know? So we scramble and we get this hay bale blind set up and it's probably five thirty before we have it set up. But what we did is we moved it a little bit closer to that field edge. So if he does the same thing he did the night before, I have a 30 yard shot. Right. It's like 750, and I'm like, this deer's not coming out, you know? There's just no way he's coming out. It had been a lot hotter the second day with no clouds whatsoever. Um, so I thought, well, what if what if that just pushes everything back a little bit? You know, because it was so hot today, they might wait a little while to get on their feet. At right at eight o'clock. I'm staring like, uh, you know how you get into like those dead stares off into space? Oh, yeah. And then I just all of a sudden I realize I'm like, wait a second. There was like a there, – there wasn't a tree stump right there. I swear that tree stump wasn't there before. And then that tree stump started moving. And the next thing I see is I see fuzzy velvet tines coming up, you know, up into the field out of the timber. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know. Right. This is happening. Second night in a row. So I'd nudge him. I'm like, get the camera on, get the camera on. I was like, there he is, there he is. And it was not anywhere that um, PG-13 at all. Right. Uh, it was a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he's like, okay, okay, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. And he's like messing around. Uh, he's getting, you know, getting a second, a second angle camera going. And I'm just like, man, screw that second angle. You know, like, don't move, don't move, don't move. And this buck's keyed up, man. He's looking at that blind. He's not taking his eyes off of it. And hmm. I'm like, oh, you know. Right. And we've all been there in those situations where that buck, once he decides he's had enough, he just blows out of there, you know, like yeah. a thoroughbred coming out of the gates of Kentucky Derby. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude, settle down, settle down. And as soon as he starts to settle down, I don't give him any time at all. I immediately reach for my bow and come to full draw. Um, I should have, you know, looking back, probably should have waited another couple of minutes, let him get really good and calm, you know, before I I drew my bow. But we had no wind at all, and, and I think – I. You know, I kind of think that he might have even heard me draw my bow. Right. Um, so how close? How know. close was he at this point? Thirty-one yards. Thirty-one yards. And so, yeah. When he when he was keyed up, between the time he was keyed up and you went to grab your bow, he didn't like start to go back, start to go to grazing or anything like that. Like he was pretty. He did for just a split second. Okay. Yeah. But he was on high and alert. So he was on high alert. Like his body posture he, and yeah, stuff he was, was like, keyed up. He's not happy. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as he went back to grazing, um, I'm I'm left-handed, so I was sitting on the left side of the blind, and there's two windows in that hay bale blind. So what I did is I I leaned to my right and I drew my bow in between the two windows. Okay. Um, at least thinking he won't see me draw my bow through my window, you know. Right. And when I came back to lean back towards my window opening at full draw. He's already staring at the blind. So I don't know when he picked his head up exactly. Right. Because, um, like I said, I, I wasn't looking at him. I leaned I leaned in, you know, into the blind. But um, I come out, and he's keyed up. He stomps his foot one time, and he's doing that whole, like, 
shook and jive with his neck, you know, like he's kind of jerking his neck side to side, trying to make out the three dimensional images and whatnot. And, and I'm like, Oh no, Oh no. And I'm like, I breathe the settled my pin dead on him. And I, I squeeze one off and it, as soon as I was squeezing it off, um, you know, I'm not one of those people that like shoots and wants to look at the target. Right. I'm still staring at my pen, you know? Right. Um, and the deer, I can tell from his silhouette that he's, he's dropping. That's... And it's immediately, I mean, before my arrow even hit him, I was already like, I had like, pre-vomit in my mouth already you know right yeah and um he dropped um and just a little not not a whole bunch uh he dropped just a little and i ended up um where i thought i hit him was upper shoulder Mm -hmm. you know upper shoulder blades um uh, definitely high now my vision is obstructed by a sight and you know whatnot Brandon, who's filming, is got the camera on him, and he's not even looking through the viewfinder. He's just watching out the window in real time, you know, with no obstructions. And he's like, "Dude, you killed him. You crushed him. You know, you that Montec just blasted right through his shoulder bone. You know." Right. Um, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. You know, I, if he feels good about it, I, I feel better about w- what he saw, <laughs> not what I saw." <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so uh, we don't do anything. We kind of miniature celebration because we're feeling pretty good about it. And and I called the landowner. The landowner came down there, big hugs and whatnot. And I'm just like, he's like, "Well, let's go get him." You know, why aren't you? You know, why aren't you pumped up? I'm like, man, I'm never pumped up whenever it's kind of an iffy shot. You know. Right. So we walk into the timber, and right away we can spot uh, my lighted knock, my luminock, about 50 yards inside the timber. And mm-hmm. when I say timber, I'm talking the thickest honeysuckle. There is no trees. Right. I mean, it's just honeysuckle. So, I mean, we're like on our bellies. We're on our hands and knees crawling through this stuff. And we make it to my knock, and I'm like, please be a deer attached on the end of that knock, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and all I got is a blood-soaked arrow. But it is red muscle blood. Oh, it's man. not bubbly blood. It's not pink blood. It's not dark, thick liver blood. I mean, it's just muscle blood, you know? Right. And I'm like, oh, boy, this – I don't feel good about this. So we very, very slowly – check to see what kind of blood we got i'm thinking if the arrow popped out if we're gonna have good blood we're gonna have good blood right now you know and ultimately we make a decision to call it call it a night we back out completely we come back in the morning and we find one spot of coagulated blood about 60 yards from where we stopped and when i say a spot i'm talking about the size of a silver dollar right not indicating a deer that's bleeding out you know what i mean and um we track another three to four hundred yards straight up a hill to find a total of like three drops of blood wow and i'm like okay this is not a fatally hit deer um you know sure you know it it made him bleed but um 
you know i can pull a i can pull a hangnail and bleed so um nonetheless um the fact that he turned and went four to five hundred yards straight up a hill and wasn't pumping out blood um you know i'm very 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 confident that that deer was just nicked yeah and when i say shoulder blade dude i might have I might have just gotten to some thick, you know, hide and uh, muscle up in the top of the back, you know. Right. So Damn. it's very unfortunate. Um, the next day, the temperatures were like 93. The next day, they were 94. And I just, I called it and said, I'm, you know, heading back to Iowa. I mean, I still have a Kentucky tag and I can go back. But um, very, very unfortunate, very disappointed. Um, but the silver lining to the story yes let's circle back to that let's get some po- let's get some yeah. positivity here yeah and yeah. On a high um net. scouting that deer from eight hours away mm-hmm. um you know cell cameras have come a long way and and i've used cell cameras before but i've never used them out of state like that and not that it's any different than if it's in your state or if it's in another state. It just felt like I was really doing something super high, you know, Mark Zuckerberg tech-wise. Right. But um, <laughs> so that was cool to scout a deer from that far away and and kind of, you know, put together the spot and even identify the spot that he was going to come out of the timber, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was which was cool. So. Nice. Everything about the hunt was, man, just super, 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 super cool. Um, you know, and I, and I, I screwed up the end. I mean, it's hard for me to say that I didn't screw up. Um, I should have known better. I should have known that he was super, super keyed up, especially hunting from the ground. And I don't hunt from the ground a lot. Um, you know, as a general rule, I think hunting from the ground, the deer are more apt to drop a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I should have aimed a little lower. Um, but what if I would have aimed lower and he didn't drop? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's kind of catch twenty two. But um, yeah, 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 bad situation. I got a little rammy. Um, I, you know, I should have probably calmed down a little bit, let that deer settle back into a grazing and and loosen up a little bit and um, whatnot. But dude, I, I'm guilty as a little bit of buck fever. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's a giant buck, and you know uh, how bad I want a velvet buck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is no, you know, this is no slouch, man. This is 160 inch, full clean velvet tin, no blood on him at all. Just a perfect velvet rack and good solid, you know, four or five year old. I'm I'm saying four year old, but right, I think he was four. Um, you know, Kentucky buck and. I'm like he's 30 yards away, and I just I got overly excited. Yeah, and I, probably probably rushed the shot a little bit. Yeah, dude, it's like I hated getting that text because I was waiting the whole time you were you were out there. I was waiting for the text message with with the picture, you know, and was living yeah. vicariously through you. And when I got that text, I was just like, "You gotta be kidding me, man!" Because I felt it was just, dude, you are so due for some good luck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're, I mean, you just had this run like. You know, going back to last year, just like some of the stuff you were dealing with, with, you know, in Iowa and stuff, it's just, you've had a run of, you know, just like luck that I wouldn't, wouldn't wish on my worst enemy deer hunting. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, but, yeah. but you're due, man. You know what I mean? The, the good thing is, is that you, like, you put all the pieces together. You know what I mean? And it's just, one, right, it's right. just one of those things where, 
you know, like you said, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like if you would have if you would have held a little bit lower, deer would have never dropped. You know what I mean? It's like what do, what uh-huh. are you, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's you just don't know how they're going to react. The best you can do is just kind of like look at their body language, make a decision cuz all this stuff happens in like nanoseconds. You know what I mean? Like you're making oh, the, yeah. you're making yeah. these decisions. Like we sit and we talk about these stories and we go through kind of each painstaking moment and it seems like oh well there was time it's like all this stuff probably happened within like 30 seconds you know what i mean For i'd the, say all of this happened in about 15 seconds right yeah so it's realistically like, yep yeah and i'm the same way as you man it's like any any shot i take it's like i i, I don't pull my head i watch through the through the site housing and stuff like that but there's never been a time where i took a shot where after the shot where i was like oh that was clean you know what I mean? Like I just, I don't know what it is. It's like I always second guess after I after I take the shot, and I don't I don't know why. Like even last year, the deer I shot, it's, it was a heart shot, ran forty yards and piled up, and I heard him piled up. But even while I'm sitting in my stand, I'm like, man, I don't know. I might have hit him low. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. I, you know, you're just kind of thinking of the worst because the worst. You know, it, none of us want you know that to happen. You know what I mean? And so we're always sure. kind of you know, hoping for it to not happen and bracing ourselves for it. But, you know, man, I, I hope you have like the most killer season in Iowa and <laughs> Missouri, if you're headed to Missouri. And if you go back to Kentucky, cause dude, you are like do more than anybody that I know. <laughs> I, it's, it's been, it's been rough, man. It's, um, you know, and, and I've had great opportunities. I mean, the first year I was here in Iowa, I self filmed my buck kill, and during the post-shot interview, I'd never turned the camera off. I shot, hung my bow, I watched him. Um, I turned the camera immediately to me, and I, and I wanted to do that, you know, that people knew that I was self-filming and stuff right. like that. So I turned the camera, and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, I think I just killed my first, you know, resident Iowa buck. And I was like, and he just crashed. I just heard him crash. You know, right. I was like, this is so freaking awesome. During the interview, I heard him crash. So, and then last year, um, you know, I had some bad luck self-filming mm-hmm. and it was awful. Um, it was one of those deals where you're self-filming. I'm like, God, I would have loved to have had another set of eyeballs, uh, you know, to, to kind of help, help, you know, give a lend a hand on, on this, you know, do you track, do you not track? And, uh, it was one of those iffy situations, but, um, you know, I had that buck last year that I didn't recover and it made me feel sick and, you know, I was able to bounce back and I ended up, you know, getting a different buck later on in late season. But, right. you know, to have this happen, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like again, uh, the last one was still kind of fresh, you know, right. but, um, yeah. the buck in between did not, uh, wipe away the memory. So. Right. Right. Yeah, man, it's, uh, I mean, I can't say that my update is nearly as action-packed as, as that one, <laughs> as, as my hunting hasn't started yet. You know, for those out there that are listening, my, my hunting will actually start. If you're listening to this on, uh, the Wednesday when it comes out, I'll have hunted, um, you know, for the, the, the past week, cause it comes in here, um, this, this upcoming Saturday. So I'll be in a tree, which I'm looking forward to, but I did managed to head back out to Ohio and do some, do some scouting, which was, which was good. Um, you know, I'm going back to a place that's a little bit more familiar to me than, than last year. I actually went out with our buddy, Chad from Exodus, uh, went out there with him and my, my buddy Tate. 
uh, the three of us are going to do do a rut hunt together this year and uh, went out just to kind of because Chad, we had gone out earlier in the spring. I know that we talked about. And so this was our second trip to really try to get a little bit more familiar with a few of the of the new areas that we were checking out. And then also uh-huh. even the area that I hunt because I hunted it only really once for a couple of days and did a speed scout through it and ended up killing the deer that I killed. I really I haven't been back since then. So I wanted to take more of a walk through and and kind of dissect that area a little bit more because I was getting great deer action there, but I, I, I wanted to kind of start to figure out the why that way I could kind of start putting some pieces together. So we spent some time there. I found some good tracks of some deer that were on the, uh, on the larger side. So that was a good sign. Um, and there was a, there was a saddle that was right behind kind of where my stand had been set up in years past. And what, and I kind of walked that we, we hiked that saddle and kind of checked it out and realized that, that is the terrain feature that is funneling pretty much all the activity that I'm seeing. And it's one of those little spots where it's like, it just, it's just laid out great. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It, you know, where it's like, there's, there's great bedding. It's just nasty jungle thick. Um, on the backside of this ridge, I don't, man, I don't know that you could find a tree that would be huntable. Like it's that kind of thick and like high stem count. Um, uh-huh. and the whole, and the whole ridge is like that. And there's, so I didn't find any fresh sign necessarily from last year um, as far as like rubs and stuff like that. I could see where the historical scrapes are because they were the same place that I was that were that were there the year before the year that I was there. Mm-hmm. So those all kind of held true through through last year. You could just see where the ground was tore up and there's a big um, vine that hangs down that they constantly make. It's like a classic setup. You know, there's a big vine that hangs down. There's always a scrape underneath of that. But I kind of navigated back further into the cover and was figuring out why what was happening was happening and dude that area behind there is just like destroyed with historical buck sign just littered with it um and i came up on some old historical rubs that were just like your average deer didn't make those type of thing you know what i mean like there were some ohio hammers back there that were making some of that sign now it was probably two years old um but at the same time, it's public ground. It's two-year-old sign, but that tells me that this area is being, gets used by bucks, and historically there have been hammers here. You know what I mean? And that's on public ground and, and living as far away as I do from it, that's about as best as I can tell, you know what I mean, kind of to, to say, yes, this is a place I want to continue to visit. Um, so sashayed that, got some good intel there, which was good. I uh, did find a piece of buck bedding on another on another piece of property that was there, same kind of public land space, but just in a, in a different section that uh, Chad was interested in. So we we scouted that, did find some buck bedding, but it's in like one of those classic bulletproof sets where it's like I'm not sure how you would even access it, man, because he is set up for if you try to get in to hunt that area, like you you're pretty much going to blow up the spot unless unless that buck decides to bet on that on the wrong wind. I mean that's pretty much it. It's just one of those classic areas where that deer is set up to be to know that when there is danger either coming that he can visibly see or from his backside he's going to smell it without a doubt and there's only a handful of ways you can access it and he's set up to bust you out in any which way you want to come in um sure so that's kind of a challenge to figure out how to possibly hunt that it's right off like these uh, a bean field and a cornfield and it's, there's a little bit of ag that kind of surrounds some of this public um, and so, you know, I've been looking at maps and I text back and forth with Chad trying to figure out like how, how a person might get in there. And I think there might be a plan that's going to require quite a hike, but I think there's a way that we, that you can get in. Um, I think coming in from the North, you could, you could get in as long as that deer's going to bet on a South wind there and you should be able to get in and, and hunt him. 
Um, but that still remains that remains to be seen. We'll see if that actually if that actually works out. But it's going to be quite a hike up and down a couple of different ridges to make that happen. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Um, yeah. And then there's one other place that, you know, he and I want to go out in October and do like an earlier season hunt out there before we hit it in November. Because there's another piece that we wanted to scout. And it's you can access it from this one main highway, but to get into the back, back corner of it. So it's basically like this big, we'll just say it's a circle. And on, well, let's just call it a square. And on one side of the square is like a, not a major highway, but the bigger highway that's near there. And that's where you'll see guys park and they'll walk in, right? And they're probably going to walk in a half mile. At the very back end of that, there's another road that kind of goes up alongside of it. And when I was looking on my Onyx map, you know, to try to figure out how to get in, I was like, well, let's go in this backside because all the stuff I wanted to scout was on that backside. Well, I didn't realize because the way the lines ran, it's actually a tributary runs off the river and basically cuts that backside of that ridge or backside of that, you know, um, river mountain or river cut, cuts it off from any land to where there's no way to access it like that way without going across water. And so once we saw that and saw some of the terrain features and like there's some high walls back there, there's a couple like small land bridges between like ridges where there's pockets of water back there between the ridges that there's only a small strip of land kind of connecting them, which is like a a great natural funnel and pinch point to where I was like, you know what, next time we come back, we need to bring a canoe and just canoe across this small tributary and get into that backside. Because if you come in from the, the main road on the opposite side, it's like a two and a half mile hike to get back there. So I was like, you know, nobody's getting back there. If you go across yeah. the water, it's a half mile hike from the place where we would pull the boat in to where we ultimately would want to hunt and scout. Uh, I was like, so I was like, that's the ticket right there. And I was like, and I, it's just one of those places, man, where you look at it on a map, you go, the terrain is right. The, you know, the, the seclusion is right where it just screams like there's got to be big bucks in there. So yeah, that's kind of the game plan for that. I did hang, we did hang a couple cameras. Um, I hung one near the, near where I planned to hunt just to kind of get an idea of, of what's there when we show back up in, in earlier October. Uh, but I'm pretty pumped, man. Like that's, you know, I saw some stuff that I wanted to see. Um, I'm really excited about that new piece that we want to scout yet. It just feels like it's the right place. Um, it gets a little bit more big woodsy in that spot too, which I think will deter a lot of guys um, just from the distance you have to hike and the, it's not close to anything agricultural in the least. And it's tough to access. So to me, that kind of screams like the place you want to be, you want to be checking out. But that's kind of my, my, you know, happenings. I did scout a piece of swampland I have access to here uh, near me. That's where I'm probably going to hunt opening day, you know, here on the on the 15th of September, um, just because mm-hmm. it's close to the house. And, you know, I'm going to try to do a little, do a little freezer meat filling uh, with some, with some dough meat. So that's kind of my, yeah. my update, man. But, you know, I wanted to ask you, as you were kind of talking about the Kentucky hunt and stuff, and, you know, it's well chronicled your, your, your run of luck recently and stuff. So I wanted to see if there is anything that you plan to change for this season in terms of, like, how you're approaching hunting. Like, is there anything that you've learned, like, either watching cameras or in recent sits that you've had or, like scouting that you've done that is kind of changing how you're approaching hunting especially like 
as we get older, we evolve, we learn more. So it's like we start to figure out different things that work for us, different things that don't. Um, so I'm just curious if there's anything you're kind of going to switch up this year that you maybe would have would have used in the past. Before we continue our conversation, let's talk about Wicked Tree Gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need hardcore tools. Do yourself a favor and check out Wicked Tree Gear, the toughest hand saws and pool saws on earth. You buy it once, you buy it for life, backed by a lifetime guarantee. Right now, if you use the promo code TRUTH, you'll save 20% on your next purchase with free ground shipping. So head over to wickedtreegear.com and get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. Uh, well, so one of my leases is, um, last year was the first year that I hunted it. So, uh, that property just did not even start to come alive until the last week of October. Mm -hmm. I was getting some mid, um, early to mid October scrapes Mm -hmm. in the evenings. Um, but nothing was coming during the daylight and activity until late the last week of October and first week of November. So, um, that tells me that, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about that property as much. I'm going to really stay off of it, you know, through that stretch instead of checking cameras. Like, cause I was, dude, I was getting in a habit where I was like, I was checking every camera once a week going, well, crap, where are they? Where are they? You know? And, right. and, um, so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stay out of there altogether mm-hmm. until that last week. Uh, one of the leases is brand new this year. Um, it's going to be a learning year. You know, I need to get out there and hang an observation stand, um, see if I can kind of learn some about that property. And, uh, my home property is actually starting, starting to, um, give me some pretty good intel i'm starting to get some more bucks on my property um i've actually got a picture of a really good deer on my my property that i've never seen before and the only thing i did differently was um back this spring um i logged my property mm-hmm. and uh, i left all the nasty tops laying everywhere and kind of dirtied up my property you know what i mean right yeah so I may be starting to create a little bit more buck bedding area. Mm-hmm. Nice. At least, if nothing we'll, else, you we'll create see. a little bit more side cover, you know what I mean, which is nice, some transitional cover and stuff. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, for me, you know, so th- my dad's property, um, I've, hung, I've had cameras out. And, and this one, I think I even mentioned last year, and I mentioned another time where, you know, this property, it seems, is, is a little bit of a late bloomer. Like, it's not great for summer summer intel because it's on the top of a mountain. It's a piece of mountain ground, and there's not a lot of food around. I think I've mentioned in the past all the old old farmers that my dad grew up around around there don't really farm their farms any longer. They've put them in the CREP program for the most part um, where the you know state will pay you to not – or not the state, but the program will pay you to not um, farm your fields. You know, you basically leave them fallow. You do – do cuttings and stuff like that. And that's about it. But there's nothing really planted in there as from a food plot or a crop perspective necessarily. So it's not great for summertime Intel, um, which always freaks me out a little bit, but just this last card pool, I did have three really good deer that showed up on camera. So the one I talked about before when we talked was the one bedded buck and I've had probably two or three images of him. So he's starting to show up a little bit more frequently. There's a nice deer that I just got on camera that has his right side. He's got five on his right side, and I can't tell his left, but it seems like there's a trend down there with like a 
with like a beast right side and then like a really funky left because there was one hammer on camera I had last year that was just, he was a stud. He was, the body looked like he was five years old, which is a ridiculously old deer for PA. And his right side was a monster and his left side was a crab claw, a split G2 and a monster brow tie. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. just a freaky looking buck. And it looks like this deer is kind of the same but a little younger. Like he looks like he's a three and a half year old, but a nice deer for, for PA. And then there's another one that I can't quite make out. Um, it's, it's a nocturnal picture, but even nocturnal, it's like for PA, you can look at him and go, yep, nice deer. Bummer is he looks a little bit young. Um, he looks like his legs are a little, little long and disproportionate to the rest of his body. Um, you know, so you'd like to see that guy make it, make it another year. But, um, you know, for me, I was actually, I was actually texting with old Greg Litzinger today talking just about camera intel and and stuff like that. And I think the biggest thing that I'm changing up, you know, in in recent history is, you know, I've talked about this before and I actually wrote an article, I believe, about it for for Exodus where talking about using last year's camera data for this year's hunt. So I really don't Mm -hmm. hunt the, the images that I get this year necessarily. I'll use it to inventory bucks and stuff like that. But in PA, man, it's like it's it's hard to count on a deer making it from year to year. Like I've only ever had it happen two times, and one was lucky from last year where I had three years of you know watching him grow, and then this freaky deer at my dad's with the, like the big right side and kind of like the the odd left side. I had a picture, a couple pictures of him last year, so I've seen him, but it's you know it. I, I wouldn't say that I know him and where he's bedding really well necessarily. Um, you know, it's just really hard to get a deer to live from year to year in PA with the, you know, amount of pressure there is and as many hunters as there are of just bow and rifle combined and stuff like that. And so what I've started doing more so is actually instead of patterning specific deer is that I'm kind of patterning the property like more so like the terrain and how deer are going to use the property regardless of what deer it is. Um, because what I'm finding is, is that there's certain aspects to the property that the more mature deer are using more consistently. And so I'm not necessarily hunting a specific deer, but I'm hunting in general, good deer um, is kind of like, I guess the shift that I'm kind of making. Um, sure. And because I think part of it too was last year, I had a lot of frustration in trying to pattern a specific deer living as far away as I do from, you know, my main hunting properties and stuff like that. And so I'm more trying to use the camera intel to help me pattern the property and understand how they're using it better. And just knowing that the more mature deer are going to seek out these more beneficial terrain and habitat features and these edges and these, you know, these areas of side cover and stuff like that and make those my focus versus what a specific deer is doing. Cause I can't count on him with the pressure and stuff and PA kind of reacting the same way all season long or even from year to year. So, yeah. Yeah. So does that make sense? You know, am I talking crazy talk? What do you think? Totally. No, no, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, because I just I, I've played hell trying to pat, pattern specific deer, and I just kind of realized that like I'm probably patterning the patterning the wrong thing. Um, you know, in areas in places where I can pattern deer, it's like I love doing that. I love watching them grow and stuff like that. But it just you don't get that opportunity as often here here in PA with the amount of pressure and stuff like that. So I figured it'll it'll make for a better hunting experience because I'm not stressing out over a specific deer. Um, I think the other thing I'm trying to switch up too, man, is I'm trying to be a little bit more open-minded during the hunting season and not get married to a plan. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, be, be a little more fluid. Yeah, it's like read the sign and, and go where the sign is telling me to go, not necessarily where I saw a deer last year or where I got a picture of a deer or, or whatever, just trying to be a little yeah. bit more, you know, um, fluid, I guess is the, the way you stated it. it was probably the best way to kind of mention it. So, you know, with that, man, you know. Only because I said it. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. It, it is the best way. It is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think Burt Reynolds said it, then it means it's it's truth. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Chuck Norris said it too, so yeah. it's pretty much the law. The Kentucky Cannonball has dropped truth, <laughs> has dropped a truth bomb, and it, it, we have made it so. Um, so with that, man, you know, are you, you know, I know you, you mentioned you got a good deer on your property, you know, and you've got some, some leases and stuff like that. Like, are you, mm-hmm. is there any specific game plan that you have kind of going into the year? Is there any type of focus areas you have a property that you're going to focus on more than another like you know what's your 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 kind of strategy from that perspective so i've got one more card pull uh before october 1st to make and um that could change my game plan you know but as of right now i'm actually leaning towards public land i have a public land spot that i think i'm actually going to hit um I'm going to hit the, you know, first week of October. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, um, and what is, what's, uh, what's enticing about this spot? It, um, it is a saddle. Um, it's, it's a, it's a saddled funnel. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense. It, everything kind of funnels, everything funnels off of this hillside. Um, to a saddle that then funnels to an ag field. Hmm. Um, so you can't quite call it a ridge, mm-hmm. you know, um, which, you know, a lot of times it seems like things funnel to ridges or whatever, but this kind of funnels to a saddle. Um, and then it's a half saddle before the saddle kind of gets get completed um you know topo wise it it just dumps into the corner an inside corner of a bean field hmm. now the bean field is on private ground right but 2 years ago i found this spot late in the year and i'm like oh my god like you couldn't it's just stupid there's like 50 trees um, inside a 40, 40 square yard area that are just riddled. Okay. Right. Everything from one inch trees to six, seven inch trees. And I'm like, well, by the time I found it, I'm like, all the rubbing's done, you know? Um, so last year I actually didn't hunt that spot. I kind of got keyed into some other spots and thought I fell in love with those. And once I, I ruled those out, I hung a camera on the public on that spot late, late, late season. Well, I ended up forgetting that I even had a camera there. <laughs> nice. Until snow's falling and it's time to tear down tree stands. And I'm going back there to tear down a tree stand and I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's one of my cameras. I'm like, dang it. Well, the batteries, of course, are dead, but... I still had a good SD card in there to look and I spotted four or five shooters Wow! that had walked through there in the previous, you know, um, previous month or whatever, the last month of the season. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, ready to kick myself. So 
that tells me that it's a hot spot early season and it's a hot spot late season. Nice. Um, so anyways, I think that's where I'm going to start the year. And it also, it keeps pressure off of some of my leases, you know? Yeah. So are you with, with that hunt focusing on it on during, I have two questions. Number one, is this, is this the, is this the public area that I potentially will scout around when I come out next year? That's question number one. Question number two. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, it is. Okay, great. I love to hear that. Uh, yeah. Qu- question number two is, so that October, or I mean, I guess it's September 29th opener, that first week, are you, is the plan still, and I'm assuming yes, but is the plan to work, you know, still a bed to food pattern at that, at that point that you're, you're thinking that yes. they're showing up early. They're showing up during that time of year and late season because they're still on their bed to food pattern those two times of the year. Yep. Yeah, I'm thinking bed to food early season and bed to food post rut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of my thought process. It's um, and and you know, I have hunted that area during the rut, and it's not a hot spot during the rut. Hmm. Interesting. Is there just is so? Is there a lot of cover around there, or not so much? There is. There is. there is a lot of cover. There's a lot of multiflora rows, and it's a nasty little booger of a spot to get to. Hmm. Um, you know, it's it's one of those spots that you're like, you know, I wish it was the rut so I could just blow through here. And, yeah, I'm going to blow some deer out, but they'll come right back because it's a rut and I can get away with it. Right. That's the negative about this spot is – as thick as it is and as hard as it is to get to, um, it would be a good rut spot, but that it's just not a good rut spot, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think my game plan early is because I have an extra two weeks to, to hunt around here because of the, um, the WMUs that I live, the one I live in, the one that I live next to open early is I'll get to get a, a couple hunts in before, um, before the 29th, before the statewide opener. So I'm going to focus around Philly, of course, those first couple, those first couple weeks, just cause I got some access to a new property that I'm going to try out. Um, you know, so I'm mm-hmm. going to focus my attention there. And then, you know, I, I usually don't go back home and hunt like the prime family properties until I start to get some better weather. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my dad is Jones into hunt cause he, he drove up from North Carolina, checked out the old, the old wicked greens food plot and it was pop and, and he, he got all, he got all excited about it. <laughs> um, you know, cause awesome. he's, he's never done, he's no, he's never had food plots or anything like that. You know, the property we had mm-hmm. growing up, you know, hunting and stuff like that was just mountain ground and we lived in a heavy ag area and stuff like that. And so there wasn't really any need to do any of that. Um, and so yeah. he, he's never really done any type of, you know, habitat updates or stuff like that. So, the fact that, you know, I, I think he also kind of didn't believe me that I could like grow a food plot either. So I, th- <laughs> I, think, <laughs> nice. I, I think there's partly that, you know, you're always forever your dad's son where he kind of looks at you going like, yeah, I know, I know you kind of know what you, you're talking about a little bit, but I'm still not sure this shit's going to work out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. go, but go ahead and try it. Um, yeah. So and that we've just had piles of rain, man. So it's like he went and checked it out. It was popping. I went, you know, a week or so after him and it's it's cranking. So we're going to have a really good year on that, on that plot. And so I think he's just really excited to get back there and kind of see how the deer react to it. Cause it's literally once the frost hits, man, that plot is going to be the only game in town. Cause there is no other yeah. food around there within like a mile and a half, maybe even two miles. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is going to be good. So, so that's kind of my game well, plan. Speaking of wicked greens, um, 
I was actually talking to a buddy of mine here locally tonight um, while my, my son was at soccer. Uh, and during soccer practice, I was talking to this, this gentleman, and, and I had hooked him up with some Wicked Greens this year. And he's like, man, he's like, I got to tell you something about that Tecumani, that Wicked Greens. And I said, yeah, what, what's up? He's like, I've been trying to plant plots back there for six years now, and I've never gotten anything to grow. And I'm like, oh, great. Right, you know? Here we go. And he goes, that friggin' Wicked Greens is about two foot tall. <laughs> nice. And he's like, I did half the plot just because I wasn't 100% sold on it, that it was a new blend and whatnot. He's like, uh, I did half the plot in this company. Um, uh, I don't want to say the name of the company. It's an institutionalized. Yeah. It kind of sounds like their brand. Yeah. Um, and I did the Tecumani Wicked Greens right next to it. And he goes, their stuff didn't come up, and it was $100 a bag. Yeah. Yep. And he's like, your stuff, I got two jugs of it, you know, and I did a half acre, um, and it was like 30 bucks. Yep. And he's like, and your stuff is two foot tall. He's like, holy crap. He's asking me, like, do you guys put, like, fertilizer in that stuff? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, no. Yeah. He's like, I, I have no idea. Like, that's that stuff's it's insane yeah, how I mean, well it grew. I tried to put a small plot in on this piece of ground last year and, and failed miserably. And I really didn't do anything different this year than I did last year. And, and it's growing like like gangbusters. So, I mean, it's it's killer. So, my dad, moral of the story is my dad's super stoked to, to hunt the property. So, I'm probably going to go back on the opener because he's going to plan to drive up from North Carolina and hunt. And, you know, the other thing okay. is I haven't literally I haven't hunted with my old man since probably 2002 2003 oh that'll be cool yeah so that was that was a lot just because i was in orlando he was in the carolinas and i moved back to pa it was just like we just lived far apart for the better part of 20 some years now so sure so i'm really looking forward forward to that so that's kind of my game plan the only other thing i'm switching up a little bit um is i usually only hunt evenings right that's kind of the yeah, rule early yeah. season i'm gonna actually roll the dice risk it for the biscuit and hunt this swamp because part of the reason I have these properties around Philly to hunt is because when I'm around here, I just want to be able to hunt, you know, without having to drive three and a half hours when I don't get good weather. Um, so these are kind of my, what I'll call my quote unquote kind of bang around properties, you know what I mean? Where I'm not too worried. I mean, it's, it's in, so this is like heritage conservancy land where it's like, it's in among like the suburbs to a degree. It's kind of out in the country, so to speak from where I live, but, um, it's around houses and stuff like that. The deer have very few places to go in those areas. So it's not like you're going to blow them out. Like if they, they can't be blown out cause they blow into the neighbor's yards, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, what happens. So I'm not too worried about boogering it up. So I'm actually going to do some, some morning hunts in, in, in September just because damn it, I want to be in the woods. You know what I mean? And that's kind of why I got access to these properties is so I could just go out and hunt try to put some does in the freezer and not worry too much about what I'm boogering up and what I'm not boogering up. And then that way I can, you know, take my time and hunt the family properties that I know a little bit more about and I can hunt those a little bit more strategically. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of my, uh, my game plan for, uh, for those. So we've been, we've been chewing the fat here for almost an hour. We've done everything from Burt Reynolds to sitcoms <laughs> and comedians doing cocaine and to deer hunting. So now I think now that we've gone through all of that, 
what is your goal for this year on either specific goals for the different properties or your overall goal for this season? Are you targeting a well, four, four year old? Is there a certain so, size you're going for or just, you know, what's your goals? Yeah. Well, you know, every season starts out with the goal that, um, I want to get a picture of Bigfoot on trail camera. <laughs> I love that goal. I hope you get it. Yep. Uh, I figure I can get my own discovery channel if I do so. <laughs> um, no. So the, 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 the goal for this year is I'm basically pulling off the gloves. Okay. Um, you know, I've been here for two years and, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hunt stupid, but I am going to hunt a lot more aggressive this year than I have in the past. Yep. Um, and it, and it's, it, it's not running around with reckless abandonment. It's I've got, you know, I've got a couple of years on these properties. Now I'm a little more educated on how the deer transition, how they move. So, um, you know, I'm going to try to strike and capitalize when the iron's hot kind of thing. And if you take a swing and you miss and okay, cool. Regroup, go to the next property and you know, whatnot. But, um, I've tiptoed around a lot because I wanted to have accurate readings of these properties. You know, I didn't want to change the deer. Let's say I went into an area I wasn't really sure of and I blew the deer out and I'm like, well, I don't see any deer there. The deer must not use that area this time of year. That's bad Intel, right? Right. So, um, I kind of, you know, tiptoed around for a couple of years and, and now I think it's time to be a little more aggressive. I mean, you know, the same goals will always be, you know, my goal is a target. My target buck will always be a mature buck. But as I've always said, you know, a deer comes in doing cool stuff or it was a cool hunt or I had to work really hard to get into that area and I read the terrain properly and, and just a really cool three-year-old comes in, he might get shot. Right. You know, if that deer makes me, makes me want to reach for my bow, but you know, obviously definitely, you know, I, I want to target four and five year old deers and, um, you know, I've got between public, my house and the two leases, you know, I can, I can bounce around mm-hmm. and keep pressure off property, which I think is super important, you know? Yeah. So I think my goal is for Pennsylvania, at least is. I would like to kill a three-year-old in, in PA. As, as you and I have talked, you know, of course, over the yep. however long we've been doing this, like three, a three-year-old in Pennsylvania is is um, not – it's more common than it's been in, in a long time, but it's still not necessarily a common, uh, super common occurrence. You know, so my goal in PA would be to, to kill a three-year-old deer. Um, now, kind of the same as you – I'm not putting any undue pressure on myself to make that happen. If I'm in a tree stand, much like last year, and a, a deer comes in and, to your point, does cool does cool deer stuff and makes my heart rate jump and gets me excited, I have no problem with putting an arrow in, in a younger deer if if the opportunity presents and gets me excited about it. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but starting out, you know, if I'm, if I'm setting my standards and setting my goals, it's like I'd like to kill a three-year-old. And what I have on camera at my dad's place is you know at least two deer that i think are three-year-olds um so there's there's stock there to be to to, you know to be had um Mm -hmm. the other goal is is i want i've got a handful of doe tags man and i want to fill the freezer with dough with dough meat this year like in the worst way um just yeah you know i like the i like to hunt deer i like to put them in the freezer 
Um, I like to process them. I like to use the bones and make bone broth out of them. You know, I like to basically use it from from start to finish. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's another thing that I really want to do. And this one's a little bit more sentimental for me. Is two things is you know like I mentioned, I haven't got to hunt with my dad and you know good like 15 years probably you know and you got to kill a buck with your old man i want my dad i want so <clears throat> it's funny because like you know your old man or your uncles or your grandpa or whoever it is that taught you how to hunt you know you go your entire life kind of looking for them to give you their nod of approval that you've you figured it out you know or student has become the teacher type of thing right sure and my dad hasn't I don't know to memory if he's ever shot a deer with a bow, you know, so that's one thing I would like to see. I'd love to see him kill a buck, but I was talking to him today because he lives in the Carolinas and they're getting ready to have a really bad, you know, hurricane. And I was just checking to see if he was going to come up here, if he wanted to come up and stay with me while that storm blew through and stuff like that. And the old man's going to hunker down. He said, he's got 18,000 gallons of water in his pool. He'll be fine. (laughs) There you go. So, um, (laughs) So he's he's not coming up. We started talking about deer hunting, and I sent him a few of the pictures that I had from the from the property and stuff. And he was asking me some questions about them. And I said, you know, come up opening opening weekend so we can hunt together. You know, because once the hunting season starts, it's like unless the weather's right, like I'm not going to go back and hunt that property until like I've got some time off during pre rut that I'm going to hit before I go to Ohio. And so yeah. I'm going to go back whenever the weather's right. And he can't necessarily make the seven hour drive to get up here on a whim either seven, eight hour drive on a whim. So I was like, that's the only weekend we can really plan. And I'm going to be here during these days during pre-rut. Let's try to, let's try to hunt those two times together. And, uh, and he was asking me, he's like, where are these deer at? Where are these pictures at? And I was telling him and he was like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I was like, let's get up here and hunt them together. He said, yeah. He's like, you know, you, uh, he's like, well, I'll need you to put me in a tree. And I was like, and it was at that moment where I was like, that's cool. The old man needs my advice. You know what I mean? That's cool. And I was like, you know, I was just like, Pops, I was like, I'll put you in the best tree. It was like the the trees I was planning to hunt, like I'll put you in those. I was like, because I want to see you kill a deer. You know, so. Yeah. So that's my goal really is to try to help him, him get a deer. If I can do that and I get some dough meat in the freezer, then I had a, a pretty good year. And that's the. uh Sure. And that's the plan. So it's two things there. It's the hunt with my old man and spend some time with him in the, in the timber like we did when I was growing up and then try to help him get a deer on the ground. And that would just be like the cat's ass in my opinion. So those are my well, goals, man. Uh, I did leave one thing out. You may actually made me think of something. Um, I'm not going to do it on the public land. Um, but the absolute first time I have a chance to shoot a doe on one of my leases or my home property, uh, I'm going to do so mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. I hope that it is on my home property because I can't think of anything cooler than shooting a buck on your soil yeah. that you own, Yeah, you know? Uh, and I've never done that yet. Um, the other reason is, um, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be like I'm some ridiculous bow hunter extraordinaire. You know, I still get buck fever. I still get excited. You know, as I told you about the Kentucky hunt, I got a little Rammy and I shouldn't have, and I probably rushed that whole situation and cost myself, you know, buck of a lifetime, which by the way, a Kentucky velvet buck is my unicorn. Right. That's my spirit animal (laughs) and I can't (laughs) seem to get it done. But, um, and a lot of that is a lot of self-induced pressure, you know, as well. And I'm sure that's why I got a little extra excited and whatnot. But 
Um, I'm going to shoot a doe very first chance because my thought is that is breaking the ice. Get 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 some of the nerves out of the way. Go through the motions. Get that crap over with. Mm-hmm. One, you, we should harvest some more does, and right. and I love I love venison. Yep. Um, and it's one of the things that I used to do every season. Opening day of every season, I always shot a doe. Um, and I at the time I was just doing it because I just loved hunting and I wanted to shoot a doe or anything, you know. Yep. Um, but I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I used to go into the woods and be just a straight killer and no nerves and never think about things. And you know, yeah, you know, you start filming hunts and you know some of that stuff kind of starts adding to or taking away from the hunts, but. What I realized is, man, I wasn't becoming a killer anymore. I was going out there and hunting one, you know, specific animal, and that was a buck. And I kind of got out of, you know, I, I used to shoot four or five deer a year. Mm-hmm. Now I'm shooting one or two deer a year. Right. You see what I'm getting at? Yep. And you just kind of you get out of that practice. It's like you playing music. Yep. Um, when you were in a band, you know, you were jamming. But if you went to pick up a guitar right now, you're like, oh, okay, hold on a second. Yeah, All right, totally. Let me think about this. Totally. It's like I can still yeah. I can still play, but it's not it's the execution is not nearly what it was. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what and that's what happened. I mean, I uh, my execution, everything leading up to that hunt was on par, man. I mean, I was damn impressed with myself, you mm-hmm. know, to get that set up and to get in that position. And then I just didn't execute. So, and I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right, man. It's like shoot more does. Yeah. I, yeah. hundred percent, man. It's like, it's practice makes perfect, man. And there's nothing like yeah, that. Practice on live targets. Yeah. It's nothing like the real thing to kind of get you, get you ready. And then actually before we close out, it's one other thing that like I did at the very last, like I actually changed arrows, which, you know, I'm, I like the arrows, but I'm shooting a, a crazy heavy arrow now. And so I'm kind of going back in and kind of reciting my bow and had retuned my bow and, you know, and so I'm working out like my gapping and stuff like that with a single pin, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm working through that now last minute, which is less than ideal. So for me, sure. to your point, you know, it's like, I'm shooting uh, arrow six or I'm sorry. Um, I just totally blanked on the, uh, on the name of the, um, day six arrows. Jeez. So day six arrows is what I'm shooting. And, uh, it's, I had thought of like, I wanted to put some does in the freezer anyway. Um, but after I changed yep. my arrow setup and stuff like that, I was like, you know, it's important. That's part of the reason why I wanted to start doing some morning hunts. Cause I know does use this area kind of nonstop that I'm getting this swamp area. Um, Cause I actually went in midday and I saw some deer moving while I was in there on, on two different occasions. So I know it's, you know, not a place where it's going to be completely dead necessarily. Um, but I want to give myself as many opportunities as possible to arrow a doe as early in the season as I possibly can to just, you know, maybe it sounds terrible just to get the kinks out and make sure that I'm on par and, you know, practice makes perfect and get, get any of the jitters out and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm right there in alignment with you where it's like, I feel like I just need to, I just need to make it happen. And then I guess I should just mention my goal in Ohio is to kill a nice deer in Ohio on public ground. It's like, I'm not going to shoot a small deer necessarily. Um, you know, it's got to be a shooter, but I'm, I would like to shoot a three-year-old, but it's the same thing. If I see a nice deer come through, that's a good looking deer for public land. Uh, 
it's um, I'm, it it's going to get some carbon carbon thrown at it. <laughs> like we'll put it that way. You know what I mean? It's like I'm I'll be selective, yeah. but only to a certain extent. Um, you know, I'd like to get something a little bit bigger than the one I shot out there two years ago, but. Um, you know, if a nice deer presents a shot and I get excited about it, I'll, I have no problem wrapping my Ohio tag around, around something that just gets me excited. So that's Mm -hmm. the plan, man. So the cool thing is, dude, is like after this podcast is released, pretty much everyone from this point forward, forward will have some type of hunting real live, like hunting update involved because it is here. How, that's right. How cool is that, dude? It's like hunting season is here. We've been talking about it for months. And like, I'm about ready to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, 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 it's crazy, man. It's, uh, it doesn't seem like it's really the season. I mean, I still feel like we got about another month to go, but that that's not the case, you know? No, literally. Like I know we were texting before we jumped on the call here and I just thought to myself, I was like, I was like, crap, man. I was like, I haven't even washed any of my clothes yet. You know what I mean? So literally as soon as we get done recording here, as soon as we shut this off, I got to go change out my laundry. And uh, it's the only time of the year that I do laundry is during hunting season. So, uh-huh. all right, man. Well, if there's nothing else, dude, I think that that pretty much covers our, uh, our update for, for what we have planned on 28 for 2018. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to taking this, uh, this ride, this hunting season with you, brother. I'm looking forward to a wild and yep. crazy ride. That's, uh, let's yep. make good things happen. Let's make good memories. And, uh, and have have some cool stories to tell tell in the future. Heck yeah, man. Let's shoot a lot of stuff. Let's do it. All right, folks. That is a wrap for today's show. Just like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do just those few things for us. And before we shut this thing down... We need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tech Money Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. November's on my heels. Makes me proud. Makes me steal. I could show you through the door. gang the new truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on youtube below any of the truth from the stand videos i've got some new hats beanies t-shirts long sleeve t-shirts and sweatshirts there's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro dosing adversity so head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code truth t-r-u-t-h and save yourself some cash on the new gear